film taxation, but we're here for a real education. Welcome, listeners. It's another episode of Real Education, the, the musical. musical. <laughs> and I am, of course, one of your hosts, Wendy, joined by my two compatriots in choreography. I'm Vinny. And Mike. <laughs> We've forgotten how to do this now. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, the listeners... Also, I just started laughing because literally right before this we were talking about like me always talking first and Vinny... I pointed I'm talking intentionally. And halfway through your introduction, he just like pointed at me and it made me start laughing. <laughs> um, well, yeah, this is the first time we've recorded. It, listeners, who knows when you're going to hear this, but yeah, Fantastic never. Fest happened and it's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah. It's been a month. The first then first Fantastic Fest and then Fantastic Flu right. happened. And then recovery. <laughs> yeah. From the flu and, and from the fest. Doing all of the things you put off for the last Yeah. Two and then realize so yeah. much laundry. <laughs> Absolutely uh, worth it, but Oh yeah. Fantastic Fest was great this year. Um so anyway, we, we have convened again to uh talk watch a movie and talk about it. And what movie is it this week? Rent. Rent, 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 rent. How rent. we gonna pay? How we gonna pay? Um, I guess specifically we're watching the film version. The film version, yes. There, there is, you can, Mike is, <laughs> Mike has Mike's opinions. super into it. Um, I have, I have opinions too. Vinny is our, our... I have never seen the movie. Yeah, you, but you have seen the stage play once. Yeah, I mean... As a child. I, we, I mentioned it a little bit, yeah. I, mean, I would say that basically I haven't seen it. Uh, I saw it on stage with my parents, either at Bass Concert Hall here locally or in New York. I don't remember which one was the which. The fact that you don't know tells me you don't really remember no, that's seeing That's what I'm saying. Like, I was trying to, like, at the oldest, I was 13 when I saw it, so it's been decades. Like, I, I don't, I mean, all I remember is that everyone has AIDS, and I remember that from the <laughs> South Park movie making fun of it. Uh, it's from um, Team America. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Fuck yeah! Because you just have the, everyone has of, AIDS instead of the rent, 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 yeah. rent. It's AIDS, 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 yeah. AIDS. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my collective memory of what we're about to do. Yeah. So nothing basically. <laughs> um, but you can there there is you can I mean just like any musical you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, and, in 2008 they did a cat like a the the current cast at the times recording which has like. Tracy Toms, who's in the movie, and it has um, Emily Goldsberry is in it. Ooh, yeah. which uh, for Hamill fans is, of course, Angelica. Angelica. Um, and so that's all, you can find that whole recording on YouTube. Is it a bootleg, or is um, it a legit? It's a legit copy. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they released it in, yeah, 08. For, um, for Broadway fans, uh, like, Broadway fans will sneak cameras in, and what that typically means is the first two minutes of any musical... There's nothing to see of the bootleg <laughs> because it's hiding in somebody's jacket. Right. And then it comes out and they fiddle and they get it all like, like any good film. Yeah, no, this is there's actually people on the stage with cameras. It's much oh. like newsies. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Shit. Well, there you go. I may I may have to watch that. <laughs> okay. Now I'm more interested then in maybe doing a watch the stage version. Now that you've said that, because I was just like, oh, it's just a shitty bootleg. Eh. No, it's I mean, a real You two have production. done wonders to, to jazz me up for this film one. <laughs> I both got here and like, I hate this movie. You ready to watch not it? talking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll talk about it. Anyway, um, so we're going to watch Rent. You've never seen it. I, I have only seen it once. 
Um, both the stage version and the movie version. Oh. Um, I've seen, I saw this. I actually saw the stage version on Broadway. I saw the broad. I went to. I went to New That's York. Brag. When <laughs> I get sometime no in the '90s, I was visiting a friend, and she's like, "Let's go see. Like, what Broadway musical do you want to go see?" And I'm like, "Well, it, it's the big musical right now, so we got to go see Rent." She was right. like, "Really?" Because <laughs> she's she's like ten years older than me, and she was not into it. That's a different story that I can tell you about. Um, so we, I did see, I have, I did see it on Broadway, and then I saw the movie once. So, and you've seen the movie. I've seen the movie one time. I've seen the uh, like the stage, like the that version, the stage version. I've watched it a bunch. It's like one of those things. It's just like a big comfy blanket to wrap around me. I love the stage version of it. Um, which is weird because it's like not a very comforting kind of musical, but like yeah. people who love Rent love Rent. But like it's really good, and there's certain parts of it that are just like like I used to when I was still drinking a lot more. I'd like go out and drink, and I'd come home and I'd just watch like chunks of Rent. Um, it's great. It's so good. The movie, not so much. There's things I actually do like about the movie that are different from which we'll get into, but. Um, it's going to be a rough watch <laughs> because I'm, it's going to be me just going like, Oh, but in the, in the stage version, they do this. And yes, this well, is like the one, the one that I'm like kind of the expert on the, the yeah, stage version. it's going to yeah. be great. This will be for a change. It won't be Wendy sitting there going, the stage version's better. <laughs> It'll be Mike doing it instead. Yeah. So let's go, uh, let's go watch rent. How are we going to pay? There are times when we're dirt broke and hungry and freezing, and I ask myself, why the hell am I still living here? Our life is yours to miss. No. A bunch of us are getting together tonight. Would you like to come with us? Sure. Revolution Studios presents the musical phenomenon that defined a generation. Today, for us to talk about this movie. Like today. Hmm. Might as well. There's only us. You know what? Let's, before you and I start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinny. Um, I, I'm trying to decide if what y'all said prior to starting the movie <laughs> affected it at all. I don't think it did. Some of it worked for me. 
Yeah. Most of it doesn't. We got to do better with Mike, like, keeping his mouth shut before people watch a movie for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I'm not really... I mean, I'm mostly just talking shit. Like, I, like yeah, I mean, parts of it worked. Um, I whether We talked before the recording about potentially doing a second episode for the stage version. I don't know that we need to, but I think that whether we do that or not, I need to watch... The like, stage version again. I have to admit, I want to watch the stage version just to remind myself what's good yeah, about the show. Yeah, right. Like, because I could see, <laughs> I can see potential for something really good that just wasn't presented in this movie that we just watched. Yeah. Like it's it's struggling to to come through, in parts, <laughs> and it just doesn't for most of it. Um, Vinny. <laughs> That's my uh, yeah. That's my Adam Roger. Pascal. My Adam Pascal impersonation. I uh, so he's not in the. He wasn't like he originated the role, but he's not in that 2008 version. That's good. Very fortunate. Good. <laughs> but uh, that's good it, to know. Yeah, Adam Pascal just sucks. Raspberries. <laughs> I hate his fucking voice. I hate his stupid floppy hair. His I voice could be fine, and I would still hate him because of that haircut. <laughs> Y'all, he's like a Broadway star. People <laughs> fucking put him in everything. Like, seriously. Just, he's just too he's much with everything. that, like... I don't even know how to describe the way that he's singing, but it's just... Um, I Have you ever listened to the soundtrack of Aida, the the Elton John musical? I haven't. Because he plays Rodimaze, or whatever. The, the He plays the main dude, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get... This amazing vocal performance is coming from the women, and then that's what they're singing oh, opposite. No. It's just, Why, that's though? really unfortunate. Yeah, like, and then he's in Something Rotten now, too. And I just, God bless you, Adam Pascal, God bless you, but I don't enjoy yeah. I, don't, I mean, apparently I, you're out there doing work and getting paid for it, and good for you. A but. lot of people like that sound. I don't. Yeah, not a it's fan. Not my, not my type of song styling, so... Um, yeah. So, uh, real quick, we should, um, like, uh, God, first off, the, the movie is pretty much the original Broadway cast. The only two roles that are different are Joanne and Mimi. Mm-hmm. And that okay. was because both, both actresses, um, the, the woman who originated Mimi was like, I am too old to play well, this and now. Daphne Rubin Vega was also pregnant when they started filming yeah. this, so... Yeah, but both actresses were basically like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm And then too Freddie old. Walker was also, yeah, she's the one who did um, Joanne. And they were just, mm, I'm too old Which, to play that convincing. Good call, video. because Rosario Dawson's like the only person in the cast that's age appropriate here. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. She's 26, everybody else is 35. Yeah, and they look it. Yeah, yeah. And she's supposed to be 19 in the movie, right? Yeah. 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 But at least she's still. But she's closer. Like, the thing that works about okay, so first off, on on that's like my very first note is everyone is too old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it works. You can play older. You can be older and play younger on stage better because even in the um, like the 2008 stage version, everybody is like this age. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like in their mid 30s, but like they look younger. They lighting on stage smooths you out. Yes. So in everybody a, doesn't look like they're pushing 40. Also, nobody yeah. in the audience is closer than 10 feet. Yes. So nobody's getting a close-up. <laughs> yeah, you lose the detail. That but, like, yeah. everybody, when this originated, was Rosario Dawson's age. They were all, like, Anthony Rapp and everybody was 25. Yeah, they were yeah. 20-something. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize. It was a huge thing of the, 
that it was they were going for this authentic sound. I remember because I'm old and I remember when this. Are you? Uh, I'm very old. <laughs> um, I remember because I'm and I'm also a musical theater snob, as we know. Um, <laughs> shock. When this musical hit, everybody was, you know, of course, talking about it, but there was a lot of chatter amongst musical theater folks about the fact that they were going for that authentic rock sound and that they were untrained singers and so they could get that raw sound. And then lo and behold, there were reports of, and they're losing their voice all the time. And all of the trained singers were going, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. You can't sing like that seven times a week and keep your voice. You just can't. <laughs> Not, not without a little bit of help. Needless to say, all of them eventually learned how to fucking sing. Because it sounds good for about one week, and then it sounds like shit. And then right. they got to figure out how to do it for real. <laughs> um, but that's, uh, yeah, I would like to rant now, and I'm done. Can you imagine that? Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's, that's interesting. I mean, that just that they that definitely looked older than they should well, for me, too. But I didn't realize until you said it, like, whenever, during the film, that... The film was made in 2005, mm-hmm. and the music, like, I was trying to figure out where on a timeline it had been made, because I, clearly, I mean, the the events in, the, in, in it take place in, like, 1989 and 1990, but, like, I knew it was later than that, but, like... The music kind of threw me off because, like, it was kind of going for that, like, grunge. Yeah. But then it also sounded like Creed. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. So 2005 makes sense. This musical is not timeless. <laughs> no. This is a musical very much of its time. Yes. It does not actually age well. There may come a point when we get enough distance that it'll, like, it'll come back around. But right now it's in that awkward phase of, wow, that's so 90s. Yeah. And um, going back quickly kind of with that, with everybody being too old, um, one of the things that's very key to this musical is that everyone's in their early 20s and they're all assholes. And like the play, like, like, like the, the musical kind of knows that they're like early 20s assholes. Well, yeah, they're all in that mid-twenties, figuring-your-shit-out yeah, phase yeah. where so much everybody's of played, fucking with everybody else. And everybody, a lot of the things that are played serious in the movie are played a lot more... For, like, the over-the-moon scene, for example, is a big comic scene in the stage version. I feel like they were trying to make it comic it in the movie, work, but it doesn't though. play. No, I, don't, I think she was trying She's to make tr- it I mean, funny, Adina's doing her best. Yeah. But... <laughs> The the editing, the shooting, and just something like, I don't know what you needed to do with it, but yeah, the comedy. It should be more along the lines of like, and sorry to bother you. Yeah. Where she does her protest thing. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that? No, I need okay. to. Okay. Well, There's a similar scene where she's doing kind of just ridiculous shit. She has people like throw iPhones at her and shit. Uh, Tessa Thompson does. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of this over the top, silly um, um, performance art piece. And that's what this is supposed to be, but it all just... And part of it helps when you watch the, the stage version. The crowd really gets into it, and it's, like, laughing, and, like, she'll... Like, the, I don't remember her name that plays it in the 08 version, but, like, she kind of is, like, feeding off of them and, and like, their energy and stuff and cycling. Of like, there's so much interaction with the crowd in it that just you can't do in a movie. Um, well, and that's, so it's, like, everything just feels like... Are we supposed to, like, be on her side, or are we supposed to realize that she's kind of being an idiot right now? <laughs> yeah, well, like, that, that's how it played to me. I mean, not having, you know, not having anything to compare it to. Like, 
you don't really get a sense of her until then. Mm-hmm. And so you're not really sure. At least I wasn't. It's like, I, all I, you, it's just like you hear things about her and like you get that like dream sequence kind of of her like showing up, but you don't really get to see her like really until then. And it's like, so, is yeah. it serious or not? And like on, I, on stage, you don't see her. You don't like they have her on the answering machine in the movie. You don't hear her voice. You don't, you hear everybody just talking about this person for most of the first act. And then she comes in right there at the end of the first act and does over the moon. And that's kind of the first time you see her. But you get a very, very different impression of her right off the bat. Yeah, well, and what you said about the audience, like, they kind of tried to do that in the movie. Right. Like, there's an audience there, but they're not into it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's, like, one person's like, woo! And then she's, like, <laughs> mooing, and she's like, come on, no, seriously, like, boo with me, and, like, no one wants to. Yeah. It's like, that's, like, it just kind of works against itself. Like, well, and there was, like, huh, little, small reactions. And, like, yeah. no, it probably needed to be bigger. I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering about that, too, because, like, Def- I mean, it was definitely dead silence on our end watching it. Like, there were- we weren't laughing at it. it was like, <laughs> I feel like this should be funny, but like, I don't. Yeah, I there, was, there was definitely something missing. She's so wasted in that scene, like, because she's so so talented. Yeah, and I've seen her do like you can find on clips of her doing that on YouTube, and it's she's so 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 funny when she does it like on stage, uh, but it just it doesn't work when it's just and. I mean, a large part of that's going to be direction. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we have yet to mention who directed this film. Yeah. Chris Columbus. You know, the masterful director of such gems as Mrs. Doubtfire. And Home Alone, and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Yes. Also the first two Harry Potter movies, which are arguably the worst. And, but also Adventures in Babysitting. Come on. I mean, I'll give him credit on. for that one. Uh, Love it, that movie. Love it. He also wrote the screenplays for Gremlins and the Goonies. So okay. he, like... He's not all bad, but... So he got all of it out, like, way early. In yeah, this. yeah, but he's... Mm, yeah. Well, okay, and let's... So, first off, Chris Columbus has demonstrated that he is a very clunky director. We we can see that's a that. good word for it, right? Very tra- very traditional. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna focus the camera on you, and then we do the the reverse shot here, and like there's nothing surprising that's gonna happen right there, and then so but we have to at least consider who wrote the screenplay, which is weird, because it's the person who wrote and directed Perks of a Wallflower. And did the screenplay huh. adaptation of Wonder. Okay. And also the screen adaptate of the live, the live action Beauty and the Beast script. He's not a bad writer. Yeah. What happened? What was that? <laughs> but like, I'm trying to like, do we think it was more the writing or more the direction or just, I feel like it's a little bit of both because they clearly did not crack this musical before they started filming it. I would say They both. did not yeah. figure out. They definitely didn't. There's, there's things in it. So there's a lot of, so the musical is sung through. Um, yeah, there's very little dialogue. There's like very, very little. And a lot of the dialogue here is literally just a line from the song that they'll put in and have somebody speak instead. And it's really awkward, especially if you know the song. That it's well, like, and it, it makes for really stilted dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Like, because those it, are words that were meant to be spoken in rhythm. Right. 
Uh, so you have that. You also have they'll take things out and put other like um, in the opening song Rent. There's like this little sort of counter melody that's going on with Joanne. Um, basically, everybody is on stage in different parts, and she's on the phone with Maureen, and she has this little like counter melody while they're doing it about not being a theater person, and she's like, "I'll never be a theater person," and that's her telling Maureen that she can't get the sound thing worked out. And then you never have the call from Maureen to Mark or anything like that. The ne- like That's just the seed that's in it. And then it's paid off two scenes later when Mark shows up to do it. And then they have the whole discussion of like, oh, Maureen called me. Oh, she wasn't supposed to do that. Oh, that's Maureen. Like that whole conversation. So they replace that with that answering machine message that doesn't, that does something that was handled like it's a good two minutes that was handled in like three lines earlier. And so I just feel like there's so much of that where they like cut stuff out and then they it's just like they didn't put trust, in worse exposition. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't trust the musical to do it. Right. Like the audience they, wouldn't be able to follow it on a Like screen, who's this woman singing and what's she singing about? Um, number one, ninety percent of the people who are gonna come see this Opening yeah, weekend I love the singing. I are, love the songs. are gonna know every fucking beat of it. Yeah, like the, you don't need to tell them how this show goes. Right, like, and if they don't know, they're there for a musical. Like, they're, they're give gonna, them some credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're there for this format. You can trust that they're gonna be able to follow. There's plot happening while people sing. Right. What? Yeah. Um, yeah uh, okay. Um, speaking of plot. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess we should start there. Really quickly, it's it's basically La Boheme. Yeah. It, it I mean, is, I mean, yeah. beat for beat, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Except that Mimi comes back to life at the end. <laughs> like, that's the only real difference. So all of the characters are analogs of the famous Puccini opera. Mimi even has the same name. Uh, Mark was... I think Marcellus, uh, Roger was Rudolfo, like the whole, the whole Comedy tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and so even a lot of the songs are, this is the, this aria is now this, or mm-hmm. this song is taken from this particular line of the libretto, etc. So it's, there's the whole Musetta's Waltz thing. Yeah. All, yeah. Um, so they are living in the most enormous like, New York apartment. The fuck? They're broke, and somehow they're just squatting in this and giant them loft. and friends, right? Like, it's a shitty loft. I mean, it's in really poor shape, but it's... But it's huge. Enormous. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got Mark and Roger, who are buddies, and Maureen used to live there, but her stuff's still there. You catch that part real quick yeah, yeah. at one point. Uh, Collins was a roommate. Benny was a roommate. Like, this was one of those, who knows where they met, but this was one of those apartments where everybody Everyone lived. lived. Yeah, at now, some point. Which we've all lived in those apartments. <laughs> and But now it's just Mark and Roger and... Where else is in yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. this, and it opens for real with Benny is saying, you need to pay the rent. Benny is now their landlord because he married a wealthy woman <laughs> and bought the building. And when he bought it, he told them, you guys don't need to worry about paying rent. But now he's saying you've got to pay the rent. And so that's sort of the first act conflict is the rent. Um, and 
Maureen, and then he's bought a vacant lot where a homeless city, homeless tent city is. So he's going to tear that down and put up a cyber cafe, basically, a cyber arts arts Interactive space. virtual studio of some Every like, 90s buzzword yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, don't think about it because it doesn't make any no, sense it definitely what they're trying to do. Yeah. Technology. 1990. It's a technology thingy. Yeah. All we know for sure is that in, diet, or in uh, Cyberland, they only drink Diet Coke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> it feels like everybody in this musical has AIDS, but realistically, it's only half of the main characters. Yeah. Um, so that's Tom Collins and Angel and Mart and Roger and Mimi. So Tom Collins comes back. He had been at MIT. Like, this guy is legit, but he can't. He can't keep his shit together long enough. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he looks like he's 40. Yeah. Um, he looks so old. <laughs> yeah. Like, he does not hey, look like he belongs. uncle. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, does not how, fit at all. How did these guys all meet each other? Because <laughs> I feel like maybe Collins was a creeper. Um, so Collins gets beat up and Angel comes to his rescue. Angel is a drag queen, so they're a couple. And Mimi is the downstairs neighbor and uh, the power gets shut off, so she comes up to ask for a candle, and she flirts with Roger. And Maureen is going to do a protest, and she dumped Mark to go be a lesbian with Joanne, and she's going to do this performance, but she needs Mark to come help with it. And that's basically the first half plot is... This performance is going to happen. Benny doesn't want it to happen. If you guys make it stop, I'll I'll forgive you the rent. And they don't. And so then they get locked out. They squat back in. Mark has to take a job at Buzz... Buzzline. Buzzline. Buzz I almost said Buzzfeed. Yeah, I know. That's what I heard. Like yeah. I said Buzzline. I was like, okay, well, I, mean, I, can, I can see the equivalent. sell out so he can make some goddamn money. And I'm like, sell out? You've got a fucking job in the yeah. industry, you fuckwad. Right. <laughs> Give up your artistic ideals. Like, do your artistic deals on the weekend like the rest of us, bitch. <laughs> um, so he has to sell out so they can get the money to pay the rent to fuck Benny. But... Mimi is doing the smack and eventually Roger is like you gotta stop doing the smack and then she goes back to the smack and he's like I can't fucking handle this so she gets together with Benny which by the way at no point in the movie do they explain how Benny is now with Mimi when he's married to the rich woman yeah like so you're just like so he's a great big sleaze and he's cheating on his wife and we're all okay with this what and Angel dies of AIDS Roger briefly goes to Santa Fe. Yeah, like how long was that even supposed to be? Does it say? I mean, a song, right? He goes and comes back in the same song. Right. So like, I don't. Yeah. Know. I mean, clearly less s- than the span of a like, like a month or two. Like, because he's because the whole thing takes place within a one year. Right. But like, so Angel, it's Angel not dies long. on Halloween. Like the fear. Like her it, funeral's on Halloween. And then he's back by Christmas. So he's gone. So he's there like a month. (laughs) Maybe. Six weeks tops. Yeah, six weeks tops. So he goes to Santa Fe, but realizes he shouldn't. And Mark realizes he's sold out. So they're they're both like, come back together just in time for us to come back around to where the musical started at the beginning, which was Christmas Eve. Mimi's been missing. She's been living on the streets, doing the smack, and not taking her AZT. And... They, everybody's looking for Mimi, and then Mimi, they find Mimi, Mimi comes in, they sing a lovely song, Roger finally wrote a goddamn song, Mimi dies. <laughs> oh wait, no she didn't. Oh, her piggy's she, she literally pops back <laughs> yeah. up, 
her fever's broken. She's sweating, so her fever must have broken. Yeah, way to try to make that make sense. <laughs> She's like, I died, but Angel was there, and she looked good. Best line in the whole show. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's yeah. a great line. And she said, "You girl, you better go back and listen to that boy's song. So now Mimi's alive, and then they watch Mark's film, and then yay, aren't we done? And that's, it really, 20s angst, the musical. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 20s angst plus AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> The musical. And it's really heavy-handed AIDS. Like, that's yes. the, that is the part that most makes it, like, very much of its time mm-hmm. and limits it. Because it's really heavy-handed AIDS. Like, I think there's a musical there that could be really interesting if it were, re, if it were reworked a bit for more modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... They touch on the like they touch on the homelessness, but they really focus on the AIDS. But it's really a social justice play, right? Rock opera, fuck the man. And I, I think there's something there that could be really interesting for modern audiences, but you'd have to reshape it a bit. BT Dubs. While I'm thinking of it, it really fucking pisses me off how they keep snickering that about. About Maureen being with Joanne. About her yeah. being by, and yeah. they're like, "Ha ha, she left you for." She left you for a woman. Ha ha, that must you suck. Must, you must not be much of a man if a woman can it's do real, the job. Yeah. Like it's that real is shitty. It's real by very much how yeah. it's played. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, like that really stuck in my craw. That's another thing. Like you'd have to change that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, other it, uh, somebody else may now speak. I, I will say um, for on the, in the stage version. They do touch more on the sort of classism that's going on. Um, they have the one quick scene in the movie where he asks, uh, where he talks to the homeless woman, and she's like, he's like, oh, I'm just, he's like filming her, and he's basically using her yeah. for his art, um, and she calls him out on it, and is like, cool, you got a fucking dollar? And he's like, no, she's like, didn't think so, bye. And there's more of that, there's more of, um, their answering machine is kind of a narrator throughout it. Uh, their par- um, both Roger and Mark's parents call. You also get um, like messages from um, Maureen and Joanne's parents. Um, they give you more of like all of these people come from decent families. Like yeah, these 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 aren't people that were born into poverty. They're slumming. Yes. They're slumming for their art. Exactly. Right. It's and it's very sort of cultural touristy um and i think that comes through a lot more in the stage version than it does in the movie because in the movie you just get like that one scene you get you can tell like like you i think the only parents you actually see are joanna maureen yeah but like they're obviously pretty well to do so that's the only Um, time you really get like a visual sense of it is like you see where they came from like okay well clearly mm -hmm. like they were doing all right like Maureen's parents are very waspy. Yeah. And Joanne, who is a black woman, um, they're very, clearly very upper middle class. They're having this swank reception at a yeah. very nice location. <laughs> that Maureen is dressed wildly inappropriate. Tank top and leather pants. <laughs> Perfect. With a really lovely velvet jacket. That's true. That jacket she immediately is awesome. like, and then she the first thing to go. And you're like, oh, you're dressed like trash right now. <laughs> oh, God. I knew people like Maureen. I was this close to being like Maureen, but I, I think I was at least three steps back from that edge. 
most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Hey. So, uh, did you know Spike no Lee was briefly attached to direct this? Oh, really? Is that, why, is that why they mentioned him? Yes. Um, well, they mentioned him in the stage version, too. But yeah. No. Okay. But they very definitely kept it in because Spike Lee yeah, was right. attached. Let's consider a Spike Lee joint of Rent. Like, I don't think he's a... He's a very inconsistent director. I'm yeah. not sure it would have worked, but it would have been interesting. It would have been way more interesting, for sure. Like, it, like it would have been a glorious mess. Yeah. Even when I don't super love Spike Lee's movies, they're still interesting to watch. Yeah, um, I agree. Much more interesting than this movie. <laughs> um, and as I shared while we were watching it, uh, Robert yeah, so, De Niro is a producer, and he wanted Scorsese to, to direct it. Scorsese looked at the script, and as we can now see, he thought it was a mess. Um, Lord, knows, <laughs> Lord knows what version Smart of the script move. he saw, but he passed on it. But let's consider what a Scorsese musical of Rent might have been. Like, Scorsese with his uh, his... His ability to really get that gritty New York vibe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it would have been good, but it would have been an interesting take, and it would have been. Because Chris Columbus more interesting than, than what we watched. To sanitize. That looks real clean. That was a note that like, I had. It was like the the bits that you see of the tent city. It was like that's the cleanest like. Hobo even tent they're city supposed that, to be living in poverty yeah. in their like huge ass apartment, and everything doesn't really look dirty. Yeah, like, like, they're walking through the streets with, like, piles of garbage and stuff, but it's all, like, neatly stacked. <laughs> like, it's not in the streets. It's just, like, look behind, like, in the background. It's, like, it's supposed to look Someone like it. Someone just very carefully <laughs> laid yeah. out. It's like when you get a, uh, like, when you go to a wedding and there's, like, a, a flower girl, and instead of throwing them, she just, like, sits <laughs> them on the ground. Like, it's like somebody did that with all of the trash. Yeah. It was just, like... I was going to try to give him credit. I was like, maybe they're just making it look like a sta- you know, like staged intentionally, but it was like, it was too, it was throughout. And it was like, no, this is just. Yeah, there's no true grit yeah. there. And the musical tries desperately to be gritty, which. <laughs> when I saw it on Broadway, what I mostly remember was how loud it was. <laughs> it was so loud. It was like going to the word, like, I. I hate going to live band performances in bars because they turn the music up to, to 18. Yeah. And it's it's too loud to enjoy. And Rent was, honestly, the sound mix was just a bit too loud to where when they really were thumping on the loud guitar rock songs, it was just like, I'm not enjoying this. It's really too much. And so that I have that knee-jerk response during some of the songs. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> ugh, this song. Turn it down. Turn it down, you kids. <laughs> With your rock musicals. <laughs> Old lady balls be over here. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> we need to do a different rock musical so I can be, I can express some love for a rock musical. Because I do love a rock musical. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we have, I mean... I was, was going to say, Fan of the Paradise definitely was. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. A, it's a different kind. I mean, that was, I was, I, a Prog lot of the music. rock, glam rock. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the music I was comparing just because where Fan of the Paradise has that, like, I mean, it's pure 70s, but it has that feel and, like, the rock, the music works within the story. Like, this one doesn't a lot of the time. Like, I don't know, the, the grunge, like, the where they're trying to be, like, hard rock within... Especially whichever song it is, I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead into the, the middle of it, but there's that one where it's like, 
he's singing it's like a rock song Roger's singing it and then he stops for like two lines and it just like like 180 into like a love ballad yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like Uh, posted like head hand to his forehead (laughs) against the door sill like (laughs) it's a laughable it's horrible yeah yeah Uh, but yeah the music like it just didn't yeah for it was he was trying too hard to be gritty and the music was that not that section of that song is only that's why I got it confused with um. Fuck, I forgot what it... Uh, I should tell you. Yeah. Uh, because it puts in the I should tell you part just so that they can use it again in yeah. the break in La Vida Yeah. Uh, Which, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't, at but all. It also doesn't help the way that it's shot and the way that he plays it because it's just very melodramatic. It literally all of us laughed out loud. Like, <laughs> yeah. it is not at all effective. At, it, at least it's original intent. Yeah. It's well, definitely well, memorable. The, the music is very... Bipolar. Yeah. There's the really rock stuff, and then which is a, a little not there. It, it's musical theater rock, and it misses a little bit. It that's, that's, misses being real rock and roll somehow. Like what I said earlier, that was was confusing me about the timeline. Because I was like, I get that it's trying. It's set in eighteen eighty nine ninety. Like it's trying to be gritty, like grunge kind of, but like. It's so sanitized in the production of it that it's like... But you you still have really good singers singing it. Yeah. Um, and then really beautifully melodic ballads. Like, the ballads are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yep. They're simple, they're effective, they're, they're tuneful, they get stuck in your head. And then, But then there's this rock stuff that you're just like... And with having... The, with having the subtitles on, it really does call out some of the shitty lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I'm some sorry. of the lyrics are not great. I'm sorry, Rent. Those lyrics are really <laughs> trite. Yeah. They're really trite. They are, de- again, definitely a t- early to mid-20s view of the world. Um, well, Jonathan Larson did die young. Yes, for so sure. And he wrote. He did. A, he did a lot of. Th- he did a lot of minor things. And he had. Um, he's tick tick boom actually gets produced more often than Rent because it's more accessible mm-hmm. and easier to produce. Rent like. What you want to do is you want to write a musical that high schools can do for decades. Rent is not that musical. <laughs> Hi, we're gonna have people die. We're gonna have, <laughs> yeah, definitely we're gonna have not. drag queens and uh, lesbians fighting, and like I don't think that would be as much of a problem today. But the the sexual content is very front and center. So not even so much that it's lesbians as much that it's just sex yeah. is being talked about a lot. That's, oh yeah, because everybody's just fucking all the time. That's not. <laughs> gonna fly right um, so, except mark <laughs> poor guy except mark he never gets anybody even that's the best i didn't even notice until there's one shot during la vie Bohème where it's like everybody's hooking up yeah yeah it's angel and angel tom and collins and then uh roger Joanne and roger and, and mimi and, or roger and mimi mark <laughs> and then um Maureen and Maureen Joanne. and Joanne. Yeah. And, and they're Mark all like hardcore making it. Well, like goes Mark all the way down. Isn't even looking at them. What? Well, no, like I it, feel like it's on his face of like, well, shit. I feel like on first pass, like he's still like really into the song, and like he doesn't notice, and then it, you know, like it kind of halt. It stops on Maureen and Joanne, and then it starts to pan back, and that's when you see him like, wait, 
What? I'm alone. <laughs> I'm alone. But, but then the, Roger pulls away and they, they hug. It's up there with the part where they're where they're leaving the meeting <laughs> with Buzzline, and uh, there's the dialogue here is all writ is terrible and all written specifically for the movie. Um, but the, where she asked for uh, uh, Joanne asked Maureen to commit to her. And Mark, they're shooting it kind of um, like over, over Joanne's shoulder. Yeah. And so you see kind of the back of Joanne's head, Maureen looking at her, and then Mark just awkwardly hanging out in the background watching the whole scene. Like kind of fiddling <laughs> with his bag. Like he doesn't, like he clearly doesn't know what to do. So he's just like frozen in the headlights. <laughs> like I. I don't even know what just, that choice was for. Was he's it, literally just in the scene so that at the end when they commit, he can like be looking at them real judgy. When he, and then he says like, something like, that was awkward. or like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, um, it was something about like them committing and then him being like, yeah, I've been through that kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. Here's a question. Do you think Maureen actually cheated on him? With Joanne? With anyone? One of my friends brought this up to me, and I'm very curious what other people think. Her position was, like, she was a very flirty person, but there's no evidence that she actually ever cheated on him, and that we do know that Mark is very kind of neurotic, and that it could be that, like, he's basically like, you fucking cheated on me after she left. He She dumped Mark to be with Joanne. Mm -hmm. She didn't leave him, and then, oh, I found this woman. That's true. She clearly already fell in love with Joanne, left Mark for Joanne. So whether or not they physically had sex, she was emotionally cheating. That's true. Because she should have been talking to Mark. Mark should have had a great big heads up. There were problems (laughs) long before she got to the point of, actually, I'm going to leave and go have a relationship with someone. Right, yeah. If if you get dumped like that, then the person who's doing the dumping has been cheating on you, emotionally, if not physically. Sure. The reason I bring it up is because of the song Tango Maureen. Yes. Because that changes that whole song if she didn't, and it's just Mark being an asshole, because now he's just trying to convince... Joanne, that Maureen's cheating on her. Instead of, like, if you read it at its face value, it's him going, here's how awful our relationship is, and she, like, realizes what it is. The other reading makes it look like he's going, like, I'm going to ruin your fucking relationship. I don't know. I I don't don't know if it's that extreme. I don't think he was trying to, because that's not in character for Mark. I don't really think it is either. That's why I was curious what you guys thought. That's not in character for Mark. I think his paranoia could feed her paranoia. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Mark and Joanne are very similar in well, a lot of ways. Well, Maureen has a type that That's she likes. That's what I'm likes. saying. So, I mean, like, it, I feel like even if Maureen didn't cheat on him physically, I mean, I agree with what you said about if it was that sudden to him, then clearly something was happening, you know, behind his back or outside of his conscious. You know, it, but so conscious, that he but, was unaware of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, he's, they're of the same type where, like, that, I feel like that's what the, the tango song was talking about, where, like, that's how he felt. Like, those are the things he noticed. And then she's like, yeah, actually, that all makes sense. And, like, they're seeing similar things, whether or not they're actually there. Yeah. So I think based on her action, Maureen's actions in the film, like, I don't know that she actually physically cheated on either of them, but she definitely has that 
personality. I, like, I don't know. My read on Maureen is she's the type of girl who will make out with anyone. She probably won't actually have sex, but if you're going to be bothered by her fondling and snogging people, then that's not the girl you should be dating. Yeah. And she's and she is my yeah. take on her. Like if I were to play that role, that was how I would play it. And it would be a very weirdly ethical stance for Marine of, I'm not giving them my body. Right. I just like kissing people. What's so wrong with that? It feels good. Why can't, why, why you got to limit me? It feels good. I'm happy. They're happy. But my heart belongs to you. You get the rest of me. Right. I, yeah. I can see Maureen being that type of character. And, I mean, she's not... I mean, it's it's a valid choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do love this song, Tango Maureen, though. Yeah. It's so good. Um, Be- because of uh, how well Anthony Rapp dances in it. Raspberry! Right? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Rapp is not a dancer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, he is not. I, I, um, I will say one thing that I didn't super love is they add in... Okay, so they do add in one thing that I like, which I like it more now that I realize what you, what Wendy, you told us during the, um, during the movie. There's a part where it goes basically from the song into their dance part, and they stop for a second, and they have this like Spanish guitar thing, and they both kind of stare each other down for a second, and apparently that was them just like dicking around with each other, like playing around on, uh, like on set. Um, and they ad-libbed it, and they left it in the movie. And it's kind of cute. Um, Anthony Rapp and, and Tracy Toms are both super, super charming. So, like, watching them do that, it's like, that's cool. What I don't like is at the end of the song, they add in a part where Maureen calls her and immediately calls her Pookie. Yeah. And, and, and they, like, drive it home. Like, like never like, called me that Pookie. <gasps> Whereas in the stage version, he mentions it in the song, and then later, like, it's either... I think it's an early act two or something that it comes could, back up. Like he said, she calls her Pookie, and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Having it wait a little bit more was a little bit better. I think it works better too because it's not like, hey, remember this thing? Because she does do it again, mm-hmm. on, but times. it doesn't have that like, oh fuck, like yeah, we heard about this earlier. <laughs> that, yeah, I could see that. That definitely would be better than just like driving it home, like yeah. immediately, like no, remember this. It's important. See, see, she's doing it. I mean, yeah. like, like we said earlier, I mean, like, give give the the audience some credit. Like, I think, I think I they think can remember can... it. It's two hours. Like, they they did sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's discuss the opening. Thoughts, Vinny? The seasons. Uh, yeah, seasons of I love. mean, it's so, yeah, it's weird that like these no characters other, that you don't fucking know. At no other port point in the movie are they on like on stage like so it starts with them just each uh, each in the spotlight singing the song standing, standing on a stage yeah. on a set. Yeah. Basically how the show opens. Mm-hmm. Right, which I could see working. But, but it yeah, doesn't it's bizarre open that, with Seasons of Love, right? In the stage version. I don't remember now. I think it starts with Rent and then you don't get Seasons of Love until Right before, act, like right well, at the end of the first act. Well, if that's the case, then I don't even know what the okay, shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, but and then you end the show. Ends. They do the finale B, and then they go do a quick seasons of love reprise with everybody on stage except Angel, and then Angel comes in at the end. 
because obviously. So it makes even less sense then. Yeah, it. That opening is so bizarre, and it's filmed really poorly because it's that shot down everybody's heads yeah. from that quarter angle. Like slowly angle. panning. Yeah. Everything shot poorly. I mean. Like, yeah. but that that shot in particular is the shot you use when everybody knows who these people are. Yes. Yeah, it's not a cold open. It, like, yeah. <laughs> like, here's six random, like, six, what is it, six or seven like, random people. And Benny is people. singing along with them. Do what? Benny yeah. is singing up there along with, with them. Oh, yeah. He's, he's sort of the villain. You're like, wait, but he was singing with them a minute ago. Why Why is he the bad guy now? I don't, Martha, I don't understand. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That boy is in a dress now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do have to say, Angel is cast for, I mean, that is uh, Wilson Germain, um, I don't remember his last name. Uh, he's the original Angel. He's a, he originated the role, and he's perfect because he looks amazing both and, and in every as scene. male and presenting yeah. as female. Yes. He, he, is he looks good as a he, she looks good as a she. Yes. I kind of hate the choreography they gave her. I was going to say, we it's have good. for uh, today, today for you. you. It is awful. It's so frenetic that none well, of it ends up looking clean. Oh, yeah, just arms going everywhere. It's not even really, yeah, it's not even really like, it's more flailing than it is. There's not really and, a lot of dance. And the it. camera is keeps being at these off angles from mm-hmm. where the, what the movement like, yeah, is like pointed at. Angel's turning, like, spinning one way and it just moves to like, a, like around her in a way that doesn't help like so the movement may have even looked good from front on but from the angle it just looked all like honestly like some sort of seizure at times yeah. like <laughs> just random limbs just flailing around and it was supposed to be it should be i've seen it staged well of uh, a very uh drag queen number like mm-hmm. that that style of movement yes and it just so, looked awful one of the big differences one of the things in the stage version that works really well is the set. There's not a lot going on in the set. Like it's, it's all, just it's a table for most of it, and then there's like scaffolding and stuff. It's, in the it's background like scaffolding for, for them yeah, to yeah. climb around and walk across. But as far as in the in on the stage, um, like a lot of that's in the back. Like the scaffolding and stuff is obviously in the back, and then they just have like a metal table in the middle of the stage, and so that sort of like exactly like the table that's in their kitchen that they clear off for her to bang on um, during Today For You. And so Today For You, she's just pretty much dancing around that table, and she's doing all the, like, she does a percussion break in there, but she's playing the whole time that she's singing. And it's so much better, because it gives her something to do while she's, like, performing all of it. And so it, like, it really just, like, breaks you straight into her character, and it's really, really, really good. Also, that whole song is about how she murdered a dog, and it's really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And also, when they... If we had a death in the family, our Akita, and they Avita. look at each other and say, Evita, that should be a laugh line, and it it's a, not. Yes. It's not funny the way they film it, and I, I'm still trying to figure out why I didn't laugh, but I busted a gut when I saw it live. Yeah. We everybody our Akita. <laughs> and yeah. they look at each other and everybody sort of at the table kind of goes like Avita <laughs> <laughs> Avita oh damn and there's an oh damn sort yeah. of quality yeah and it just didn't work yeah uh. but that's how much I love Angel is that 
anybody that knows me knows how crazy I am about dogs. She killed a dog for <laughs> money, and I still think that's the best character in this musical. <laughs> oh, she is, and she's yeah. meant to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. She's, yeah. She's, she's the heart and soul of the musical. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I, I said it when we watched it, but, like, when, like when, the first time you see Angel before, you know, before he presents as as female, like, mm-hmm. and he, he, like, hears Tom, you know, Coughing recovering and- from the fight, um, like, that was kind of, to me, like, the perfect showcase of how bad the everything was written, like, because, like, he introduces himself, he's like, I'm Angel, I have AIDS, and, like, <laughs> it just made me, I, I, I laughed with, with, you know, with, unintentionally, but it just reminded me of, of, of John Mulaney's stand-up, because there's a whole part about the, you know, his first encounter oh, in New, New York town. City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some, some guy AIDS. just coming up to him, like, pushing him and saying, I have AIDS! And it just, I couldn't help but connect the two in my brain, and so now I'm just going to laugh at it. And, like, well, I know it's meant to be more serious than that, but I just, I couldn't, like, the way honestly, that it's done. Honestly, if you sing it, the, we accept a brevity in song that we don't in dialogue. Right. That's what, you can, exactly. You can blurt that out in the song, and the emotional weight of the music will do will fill in the gaps mm-hmm. of what didn't get said. But when you just blurt it out, it is. That said, this is at a time period where I'm quite sure when you meet random people that you're attracted to, it's probably best to just put that right out on the right. table. Yeah. BT Dubs, I have AIDS, and I do actually like Angel goes to um, like clean him up, the blood. And Tom flinches away. Don't, no, 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 no. And he doesn't say it yet, but I'm like, that's yeah, that's really good. No, don't don't touch the blood. I have AIDS. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I it yet, but AIDS. yeah, I mean, I say it like, like I said, I, I laughed unintentionally. I don't discount like the seriousness of it, and like I feel like really? you know, and they pay like it happens later in the inter like the interlude between like Love Love Bohem when. Roger and Mimi go out and have that conversation, like, and they discuss that, like, very clearly, like, you know, let's just skip the, this beginning fate, like, we're both in a place, a similar place, and, like, they just get it all out, so, like, it's not... ACT break. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not, uh, unique to, like, their interaction, it just, the way, the way he said it, just, I couldn't help but be reminded of... Um, so one thing... Well, there's a couple of changes that Columbus made that are very much to the detriment of the story. And they're kind of small changes. One is removing the second time of um, uh, uh, of the like the reprise of Seasons of Love. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually moving everything up. But again, having it at the end where Angel comes in, he was worried that viewers, like the audience, would wonder why Angel was alive again. I'm like, also, there are things called special effects you can do <laughs> where you can have someone sing and be a part of a scene and still make it clear they're not really there. But also, if they're on that stage, then it feels like a fantasy-type thing anyway. And so Angel coming back, then there's a reason to use that stage set. Yeah. Well, and it, he originally was going to bookend it like that, and then yeah. he didn't. And I'm like, that would have at least... At least it would have looked like an artistic choice right. at that point, not like a, what the shit? Um, um, the other yeah. big one is Columbus thought it was too dark to include that, oh. what happened to um, April, which was um, Roger's ex. So they do all of, like, they show that she got AIDS and everything, and she fucking kills herself. And they don't show that or mention it at all. 
Yeah, um, in, the, in the stage version, they they say it in the in one of the songs that basically she killed herself in the bathtub and left him a note that was like, "You got AIDS now," and like it's really which, fucked up. Which is more powerful? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Like, it actually makes you give a shit about Roger. <laughs> what a way to find out! Yeah, and. You can understand her choice. Like, mm-hmm. she's she's looking at a death sentence at that time. Oh, for sure. I'm looking at a death sentence, and I've given the man I love AIDS. Ah, I'm just going to kill myself, and I'm sorry I'm committing suicide. Because I have AIDS, BT dub, so do you. Bye. And so, yeah. yes, you connect with her, but you also, like, connect with Roger, because yeah. that's yeah. a horrible, shitty thing to happen all the way around bit, for it, everybody. It makes his, his whole AIDS. story a lot better. Yes. More understandable, yeah. He doesn't go out much anymore. Of course he yeah, doesn't. Yeah, no shit you don't. <laughs> doesn't want to get involved with anyone, much less someone who's very similar to April. The last person I was with, I found in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. Um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I mean, if, if you're making this story, like, why it's shy away AIDS, from dark? Like, it's you're already there junkies in that place. And Alphabet City, and you're worried it's too dark? Yeah. <laughs> this is something I will never understand. Broadway can get away with shit decades in advance that when they make a movie version, they're like, oh, we need to clean that up. And I'm thinking they've been selling out. For 20 years now. Yeah. For 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Are you really telling me that there's that much of a disconnect between theater folk and the cinema? Right. I don't think so. I really don't. I, I think Martha and Kent from Poughkeepsie are just as capable of seeing a Broadway musical and seeing this and seeing a film version and not having their knickers get in a twist. The New York New Year's Eve sequence was actually a real party. When they oh, filmed really? it, they just decided to actually turn it into a cast party. So oh, nice. They were all, just, cool. they're yeah, all just really fucking around. They're all just really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. You're drunk. No, I'm not. Are you going to put that back? No. 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 <laughs> Angel's great. Uh, so I will say, I mentioned this while we watched the movie. Anthony Rapp. I mean, this is definitely on Columbus because he did not direct him correctly. Rap I think is he playing, left all of them to do it just like they did it on stage. And uh, that's a problem across the board, but Anthony Rapp is so... He's playing for a huge audience, and he's not playing for a camera. Yeah. And so everything is way overdone like it would... Which like, he's been doing other film work and TV work consistently. He's got He's pivoted more to being a TV actor. Right. So he's clearly capable, or else he wouldn't keep getting... Jobs. Right, right. So yeah, I'm with you. That's gotta be it's on too, it's just but too it's, much. Like you so, said, when so you said it, it's most notable, no, noticeable in Lobby Bohem when he's up Lobby on the Bohem table. Lobby Bohem and Rent when yeah. he's riding the bike and he's angry. Singing, oh yeah, it's just it's true. It's a lot. I'm like, if you just brought this down about three notches, it would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, but you would need a competent director to tell you that. But on a similar note, I know we also commented on it while watching. Um, Rosario Dawson's doing Out Tonight. I don't like that you song. You don't like that? I just don't like, like I just don't like I the do, song. I do. I like... All I could think of when she was singing it was that Warren Zevin song, like, <laughs> Worlds of London or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> like, that's all I heard, and that, now that's... 
Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like that musical choice. I just don't. I don't like the song. Nobody's ever going to sing it in a way that makes me like it. If somebody does, that's going to be like some sort of major light bulb moment where I'm like, "Holy shit, you managed to make that song work! I didn't think that was possible because I hate that song." Ah, uh, tonight. Yeah. And again, that was another song that was way too loud. So that's part of it too. Was just ugh. And she's just bad memories. She's grinding all over the. St- I remember the staging. She's grinding all over and climbing all over, and she's just screeching that song. I'm just ugh. This is terrible. Which is why my friend Teresa, who took me to see it, I'm, and I said I want to see Rent, and she was like, Ugh, really? <laughs> she's ten years older than me, and if it was loud to me at twenty six. 26, 28. It had to be way too loud. And she's a big musical theater nerd, and she she could see beyond all of the bells and whistles and be like, that's some really terrible lyrics. <laughs> what is that girl doing? That is not performing. That is screeching. That's awful. But but I have opinions, Bama. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, let's talk briefly about Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Bit by bit, putting it together. Okay, Jonathan Larson is the guy who wrote this show. Um, since it is sung through, he wrote all of it. He wrote yes. the the book, the music, the lyrics, all of it. Uh, it was originally somebody else's idea. Uh, Billy R. Aronson, don't know the guy. Um, he had the idea to take La Boheme and turn it into mm-hmm. a rock musical. Larson was like, yes, let's let's make musical theater for the MTV generation. Let's consider that phrase. <laughs> that's a, that what we just watched is definitely what they wanted. <laughs> let's consider how that phrase alone limits this musical. <laughs> yeah. Woo! And so he worked on it for probably about ten years, and it had I think its first workshop production in '93 where everybody agreed it was a hot mess, but there was something there, and it went to Off-Broadway in and in January of 96, and by the end of 96 it had opened on Broadway, and then it won the Tony for both Best Musical and Best uh, Book that year. So Larson won two Tonys for it, posthumously, posthumously. because he died of an aneurysm the morning of the final dress rehearsal. He, he, they think it was Marfan's syndrome, which... It had been, like, untreated, basically. Yeah, and he'd been, mm. he'd gone to the doctor, he'd been complaining of shortness of breath and dizzy spells for weeks, and they were like, well, we can't find anything, it's probably just stress. And, and... And of course now they're now the doctors are like, uh, yeah, if they'd actually known what it was and looked for it, they would have found it, and he probably wouldn't have died. So that sucks. And the cast, instead of having their final dress rehearsal, basically had a memorial service for the mm-hmm. friends and family where they just sang through the show. They didn't perf- like and do all of it, just sang. Till until they got to La Vie Bohème, and then Anthony Rapp actually got up on the table and they did that song like actually performed it and then they went back to like a sing through for the rest of it which is really really cool yeah yeah Yeah. that's nice (laughs) that is nice uh larson was mentored by sondheim sondheim would write him was uh, apparently always on tap to write him a recommendation letter (laughs) there's a that's nice to have (laughs) it'd be really cool to have in your pocket right 
and um, it won the Pulitzer. And there have only been, uh, like, I wrote it down. How many have won the Pulitzer? Did you do, like, ten? Ten musicals have won. Nine musicals have won the Pulitzer for drama. And it was presented by Robert Duvall as Pulitzer, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can only hope. (laughs) Hey, that's a callback to Newsy. Pulitzer and all of his hand gestures. (laughs) It is so hand gestures. Other musicals that have won the Pulitzer, and let's consider this, the Pulitzer for drama. So, normally it goes to a play. Mm -hmm. In years where it goes to a musical, it must have been a hell of a musical. South Pacific, Mm -hmm. which I'm not a huge fan, but it is addressing important topics. Uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying won the Pulitzer. (laughs) What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, A Chorus Line won the Pulitzer. Again, I can see that. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, Sunday in the Park with George won the Pulitzer. I don't know that one. And a few others that I didn't know what Fiorello, which is a musical that was apparently huge at the time, but nobody knows about now, based on the governor of New York, I think. I don't remember. I think there might be a movie version. We might have to dig it out. And then, of course, the most recent Pulitzer musical to win a Pulitzer is, of course, Hamilton. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Haven't seen right. it, but I, that would that would have been and my guess. And Lin Manuel Miranda is, of course, a huge fan a huge, of Rent. Yeah, huge, sure, of course, huge fan of Rent. It was very formative. Uh, if you were just coming into your musical theater bones when Rent hit, that is the musical you imprinted on, and it. it I have a lot of friends who are 15 years younger than me <laughs> who love the shit out of this musical. I feel like. Much like sometimes there's uh, like those great sci-fi novels or great sci-fi movies that are meant for a specific age, like YA audiences. And when you miss the window to watch it and you read it when you're just a little too old for it, you're like, I can see that it's good, but it doesn't, I didn't fall in love. It's even like Star Wars. Like so many people I know that didn't watch Star Wars, so they were in their 30s, are like, it's okay, I guess. Right? I'm like, yeah, but dude, if you had watched it when you were like eight, this would be the best shit you've ever seen in your life, and you would be obsessed with it like I am. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, they imprinted on Rent. That's their musical. And that's how I was in high school. um, Well, I wasn't in high school when it came out. I was in high school a few years after it came out. And uh, all of, like, the theater kids were, especially, like, like, there was one girl in my Latin class that would, like, bring the, like, sheet music with her and would just read it during class instead of paying attention to what the teacher was saying. Like, that's not, like, everybody, everybody I knew that was, like, a theater kid was, like, obsessed with rent because it was, like, the big musical. At the Musicals time. are very generational. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a theater kid when, um, just after the height of, well, really during Into the Woods, which caused a blowback onto Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Because we loved Into the Woods, we went looking for, for other Sondheim. For other Sondheim, found mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd, and so when I was in college in musical theater, that's what my department was obsessed with. Was those two? That's what we like really focused on. Then there was Rent, and then there was Wicked. Wicked was huge too, and and then there was Hamilton. I think there might be another one in the middle there, but I'm forgetting. I think there might be one between Wicked and, and Hamilton in terms of like just captured that zeitgeist of this yeah, is yeah. what Broadway is doing. Um, 
Weirdly, Lin-Manuel's other musical, uh, In the Heights, the Heights, did not capture the zeitgeist. It's a great musical. It is great. But it didn't capture the zeitgeist in the same way of, like, uh, the way musical, whole musical theater classes for four years will just imprint on a show and be like, this is the show! Everybody knows all the words! Everybody will break into song randomly because of this show! It's, In the Heights is more one of those that, like, people become obsessed with Hamilton, and then they now go, like... Oh, here's this other thing he did. I should go listen. Which I mean, that's how I've been. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it is super good. It is good. It bummed me out because it's not sung through. So like, because <laughs> I got so how spoiled by he? Hamilton. Because like <laughs> Hamilton, that's a great thing about it is that like it's all sung through. You don't need the visuals to get the whole story and that kind of and like that really yeah, works. Yeah, it's an like, audiobook. I, I kept exactly. telling people when I was really obsessed with it, like... Everything's fucking narrated out for you. It might take you several times through to absorb it all because it's least. such a dense text. Yes. But once you do, you're like, I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. I can follow the whole plot. Which made watching it so great because suddenly you're... You know everything oh, already, so now you can watch. That's what they're doing? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes it better. Right. It was very exciting. Um, uh, unlike the choreography in this movie, which is terrible. <laughs> etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What little there is is terrible. Yeah. There's really only the Tango Marine, uh, Today for You. No, there's choreography and Out Tonight too, and then La Vie Bohème. Is there any other? Um, there's, there's, it's more like staged. Uh, for God damn it, the song with Joanna Maureen. Oh, take me or leave me. I wouldn't take count me or leave me. Stage. No, it's more. Just, yeah. But I, that's one of the other songs I. Re- that's like pretty much the only song in Act Two that I really, really like. Is take me or leave me. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked over at Mike. I know, I know this show. I have the soundtrack. I did listen to yeah, the soundtrack yeah. a lot. And we get to Act Two, and I'm just like, I don't remember any of this. This is not memorable to me at all. <laughs> he goes to Santa Fe. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, but take to... me or leave me is really good, and I love the way. I do actually like the way that that one's staged because um, they're. It's different enough from. They actually take advantage of the fact that it's a film instead of just looking like they shot part of a play. So they're, like, having the fight in the house, and the fight During moves. During their reception. The, it's the so fight, great. And the fight moves into different rooms, and everybody follows. The whole gang, so yeah. Colin, you gotta see this shit. Colin's like, is like, come on, guys. Yeah. Come on. No, we are gonna watch. As it starts to happen, they're all in the background. <gasps> Man, there's yeah. some side eye, and there's like, oh, shit. This, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh. And then they walk away, and Collins is like, no, we're going to follow. <laughs> we, this is not something we want to miss. Right. Uh, but yeah, the other, like, the actual choreography for things, even La Vie Bohème is... It's, slo- it's so sloppy. Like the, It's the filming of it. Yeah. <sighs> the, it's... The let us see what does, people are doing. The, let us see what they're doing. Get a little bit farther back, and uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, the other one is Santa Fe when they're on the subway. Oh, that's some lovely staging, though. Uh, the problem is part of the reason. I mean, it works better on stage because you have more room to look at things. I have the same problem with. Uh, I have a, the problem I have with Santa Fe is everything is shot again from weird angles and it feels very claustrophobic. Well, they are in a subway car. Yeah, they are. But you, there's ways to make that feel more spacious uh, than like shooting it from weird angles and everything feeling really, really good. I didn't have a problem with that one love. because 
having ridden subways and I love the subway experience. Mm -hmm. I love the forced intimacy of subways. I love when random performers come on and are like, you're going to get a show on the subway now. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm on board. You're going to yeah. get a show like, in your lap. Sure, why yeah. not? So I, I love what they did with that. I love Collins using the poles. And See, I like that. Along I just don't. I just wish it was shot better, basically. Oh, yeah, the shooting could be better, obviously. But the, yeah. the staging of it, at least. It's like, oh, I like what they're doing here. This is interesting looking. So let's talk about the numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like like the, the rhythm, the lyrical rhythm of Santa Fe was the first one in the movie where I was like, okay, like I'm actually on board for this one. Like, Yeah, they're not good songs. They're not. Like, that was the thing. Like, that one actually was, like, melodic. I mean, like, the like, just not only, like, the rhythm, but, like, the words, that, like... There's even like some good rhyme and so, like it was just that was the first one where I was like okay like that's actually a song that I could see like yeah. I would listen to again. Uh, if you want to hear unmelodic, you should hear the rest of the songs that aren't in the movie. Yeah, the sung through stuff is really jangly. Yes, it's like the there's like the tune up songs, the voicemails, all of that is super just like. I don't even know how to describe it. There's no melody to them. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and I'm yeah, and that would be fine. And I like, but the film would have to have been, you know, better for the, right. for any of that kind of thing to work in it. And so the songs we did get, you know, it just didn't really. Yeah, today for you is weird. I like today for you. Yeah, it's it's like Gloria it, Estefan. It can be fun to watch, <laughs> but. In terms of, like, if you were just listening to it, I'm talking randomly, randomly, talking, talking randomly. Today for you, tomorrow for me. What does that even mean? Mike, do you know? Huh? Can you deconstruct well, that? Today for you, he, like, she brings all the money to them, and then tomorrow she's going to get paid. That's I mean, that's what I took yeah, from it. Yeah, she's doing the thing for them today so she could get paid tomorrow. That's why she murdered a dog today <laughs> so she could have money tomorrow. She goes, so she's handing out... Because that's the whole song is about her killing the dog. Her prepayment, and then she'll get paid again tomorrow. Is that what's going on? No, the... She got paid. She got paid. But she's giving so it to them. So it's today for you, you meaning the uh, the lady that hired her. Oh, and then okay. tomorrow for me, because I have the money now and can go buy things. I see. That makes slightly more sense. So, yeah, I like the Tango Marine. Tango Marine's really good. I like um, Take Me or Leave Me is great. Uh, and then there's a lot of really lovely ballad stuff. Seasons of Love and Life Support. Life Support's a good one. There's only this, there's only us. It's really simple melodically, but it's really effective. Mm -hmm. And it gets in your head. It does get in your head very easily. And they use it. A lot. They use a lot. that that melody quite a bit. Yeah. I'll cover you. Is yeah, a I that's love. That's my favorite. I think would be my favorite. That one's really good. In terms of like the upbeat songs, "Take Me or Leave Me" and "Love E Bohem" are my two favorites. Yeah. Uh, not. Well, it's not upbeat. You don't like "Light My Candle." <laughs> I actually don't mind "Light My Candle." Really? I don't um, like that song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it. Uh, of the ones that have the recitative, the talk singing, that mm. one's the best of the bunch uh, and there's actually some flirtiness happening there that I like I also I really did like uh, I should tell you 
because the way it's written with the the sentences starting but not getting finished, it really does capture that awkward beginning moment and then it hits. where you're trying to talk to somebody and, and but then midway through they like sync up and they get to the big like um what's the fucking line it's like trusting desire and it's like goes on and it's like a real big where they're finally like in sync together i agree i i like that part of it i don't love the opening just because it feels it does what it's supposed to do, which is it feels really awkward, and uh-huh. I don't, as something to listen to, it's not my favorite thing. To yeah, <laughs> as something, to, as a song on its own, no, as a, yeah. as a dramatic moment, it's yeah. perfect. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. You nailed that's, it on that one. That's fair. Uh, I'm looking through the rest of the song list. What You Own. I do like What You Own. We're living in America oh, that's okay. at the end of the millennium. Oh. After Mark uh, Rogers' <laughs> two-day excursion to Santa Fe. It's no, it is his two-day. That's excursion. what I mean. It's like it's the end after of that. It, it's the, it I mean, I love that it song. It makes me laugh so hard when it cuts back to uh, uh, Mark and he's just on the roof. Well, it's cutting between him on the roof and Roger in this a like, Creed music in video. a Creed music video, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's him on the roof like singing, and then uh, Roger comes up, and the whole time you're just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> guys, just go for it. Just yeah, get in why there. not? Just get in there, fondle little little tongue. Yeah. It's fine. It's consensual. You can tell. Look at the way you're looking uh, at each But other. Roger in Roger's whole thing, and that is so ridiculous. Uh, he's driving that shitty ass car and sells it and sells it which you know he got like 10 bucks tops for that car I mean enough to buy a guitar enough to go buy a guitar from a pawn shop because he pawned his guitar originally to pay for the trip out there and right. he sold the car to buy the, a guitar again um, and then he's just He's playing it like he's busking on the street is the only time you see him actually playing it. When he's writing the song, he never has. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's writing lyrics, no guitar. No guitar. And then he's just wandering out through these, like... The desert Also, the bought an electric guitar, did not buy an amp, and is busking with it without an amp, but... Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> details. It's fine. He's actually not even playing it. No, he's just holding it. Money. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally just standing there, and someone's like... Cool. Here's some money. You look good. You Here's look some like money. A, you look like a rock star. You look like you need a haircut. Take this money and fucking cut your hair, yeah. bro. Not before he gets to the full Scott Stapp experience out, yeah. out in the desert, whatever. I mean, yeah. that was so hilarious. So, rent. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Did you, uh, thoughts? I mean, like I said at the beginning, I... Uh, there's definitely something there, and I can see why people would latch onto it on stage. <laughs> um, and like I said, whether we do an episode about a stage version of it or not, I will go and watch that so I can compare them. And because this one is is not good, like there are parts that are, um, and, and like I, I would like to see a better version of it to really make like. It does, an opinion, but it does really point out that moving a musical over to the to film, and we saw that with Music Man too, where they basically just tried to present the play and film it. It's it's a tough nut to crack sometimes. How are you how are you going to if it's not a very naturalistic play? How are you going to make it work that there people are randomly breaking into song and not have it seem ridiculous? 
And this one doesn't manage yeah, to succeed it at that. Does not pull it, it, off. it also just fails on a basic narrative level. And so, like we talked about them, obviously, I mean, the play's like three hours long. They wanted to cut the movie down. Fair enough. You need to cut out some things. Um, but at the same time, like the choices that they made of what to cut, when to cut it, how to replace things that they've cut just don't make any sense and ultimately kind of make some things more confusing where you're kind of like, why is this person doing this thing? Like again with Roger, like you understand his motivations once you know that April killed herself um, and left him with, but like, that's not really, that's never mentioned. So you're just kind of like, okay, he had a girlfriend and his girlfriend died and now he's an asshole. <laughs> well, like, you don't even fully get a sense that she died. Like, I mean, you know that she's going to, but, like, you don't know where on their timeline together that even really happens. Yeah. Like, they may know, have broken up and she died. The later. only right. reason that you know she's dead is because... What ends with... But Rosa, only, Rosario Dawson. Oh, do they, do they show... They do show... The last the last scene you see of her, of April, is her holding the, the, the you know, the results yeah. from the HIV test and that's and positive. And Rosario Dawson in one of uh, Mimi and and their and in the light my, my candle, candle says yeah. I remind you of your dead girlfriend. Yeah. Um so you don't get any sense of what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> and Roger has a type 2. He likes junkies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean my I think the best part of the movie for me was the I'll cover you the first time when, like, when Tom and Angel it's kind of real, realize, really you know, that they're in love and are, you know, and it's going to... it's a really sweet song. Yeah, well, I, mean, I love, like, them as, like, the and emotional center chemistry. of the film. Like, mm-hmm. they hold, I mean, they're clearly holding everyone else together. I mean, and, until they fall apart on their own for all of their reasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was, like, the kind of, like, center of the whole film and like the whole group for me. So you definitely do get the sense that they're the heart of the group. I mean, that's why even like at his fucking funeral, they're all bickering and Tom Collins comes and was like, y'all said y'all were going to be cool today. Yeah. (laughs) Dudes, dudes. Stop being assholes at the funeral for this person that I love. They're just, they're all shitheads, honestly. Yeah. I don't know why I like this musical. <laughs> 20, 20-somethings, man. All right, uh, favorite musical moment? Um, so mine is probably the Tango Maureen. Um, I, I like I'll Cover You. I like Tango. Oh, Tango Leave Me is so good, though. Um, I do, so I don't, I mentioned that I don't really love that they show Maureen during the Tango Maureen. But I like that they do the weird sort of dream sequency thing with her. Uh, so I guess I kind of want it both ways. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that they're doing that. I like that um, they do something that's a little different than the way that it's staged. Because like, too much of this just feels like they just tried to copy. Like we said, they just tried to copy what they put on stage. So I like when they try different things that they don't necessarily. This isn't the way that it's staged. Um which having that huge group of people dancing together isn't the way that that, that number is staged. Um, so I think that's probably my favorite. Until I get in my car and listen to like another song. Yeah. Like, no, no, it's La Vie Boheme. No, it's this one or that one. Um, Vinny? And yeah, I know the songs suck, but I like them. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll Cover You is definitely my favorite. Um, 
I just, I mean, the the part that sticks out the most to me was where they, you know, they're singing back and forth, obviously the whole time. But he says, "You'll be my king. I'll be your castle. You'll be my queen. I'll, I'll be your be moat." Yeah. Um, I just love the interplay, and like they're so great together as the characters and just on screen chemistry. That like that's definitely my favorite. Um, let's see. I need to pick a song that Adam Pascal doesn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, by the way, listeners, the reason I keep squealing Biggie's name is because Mimi dies, and the way <laughs> yeah, it is written, I, I do give, I do, poor Adam Pascal, this is how it was written, he could have, he could have done something different with <laughs> so it. so bad. <laughs> Mimi dies, and he literally, Mimi! <laughs> only he's got that screechy rock voice, Mimi! <laughs> and... And it's also me, me instead of Mimi. Yeah. He also does it during um, I Should Tell You. Yeah. Because um, it's the AZ, she's like, AZT break. And he's like, you? She's like, me, you? And he's like, me, me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me, me. So now I'm just going to keep singing Vin, me. <laughs> I'm looking at my list of songs. Um, uh, it's not out tonight. Um, uh, I, I do. I love the melody of life support. Yeah, I, I love that melody. But in terms of what I like to watch, mm, it's probably going to be "Take Me or Leave Me." Yeah, yeah. That's such a good song, and I really, outside of Angela Tom Collins, I think Joanna Maureen have the best on-screen chemistry, mm-hmm. they're really, really, well, they're good with everybody they're in a scene with, but especially when the two of them are on screen together, they yeah. they play off each other really well. And, I mean, it is so much... And your sing angst, fighting is also always Your angsty fun. 20s, yeah. the musical, like, who hasn't been in that relationship where yeah. it's really never going to go anywhere, and it's just always going to be fighting, but the sex is going to be great. Right. Like that's that's Don't you want your girl hot? <laughs> I'm gonna be in your bed every night. Uh, yeah, but I'm gonna be mad and crazy every other minute of the day. So also, the, that's one of only. I just realized Adina only sings really. Yeah, not a lot. That and like where she's like featured in singing, not like where she's singing as part of the group, like in La Vie Bohème. It's pretty much just that and Over the Moon, right? Over the Moon, Take Me or Leave Me. She yeah. doesn't have many. Those are the only ones I could think of. That's it. Yeah. She's wonderful, though, and she should get to sing all the time and everything. Well, it's <laughs> that is interesting. Oh, wait. Because this is what, like, made her break out. Tony, nominated for Tony for their performances. Performance hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, did you have, like, a whole other page of notes you didn't look at? <laughs> no, I did. I already looked at it. Oh, okay. Uh, Mimi was nominated, yes. the original Mimi. Roger. Uh, which was Adam, Daphne and Ruben Vega. Yeah. Roger. Adam Pascal, Wendy's favorite, was nominated, and Angel was nominated and won. Good. He fucking deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it is not easy to dance in shoes like that. It's awesome. <laughs> Just, did we all notice also the jump onto the table? Yeah. That's some serious shit right there. Which, there was a oh, take where he... Oh, and he goes up to he, play on the pipes? Uh-huh. Yeah. There was a take where he missed a bang dish. Oh. Read that in the trivia, and I'm like... Because every time I see people do that, I'm like, 
For that one shot, I'm betting there was at least three shots of you missing and it hurt like motherfucking hell, which is why I don't do that. <laughs> there's, like, there's, in, in uh, CrossFit, you're supposed to do box jumps where you jump up onto the top of a box. No, yeah, no thanks. And, and it's for reasons of muscular shit. And I'm always just, no. Because if I miss, I am going to not just bang my shins, but then fall, fall over the over. box. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hurt myself. And I am getting old, which means I'm getting breakable. <laughs> Guys, no. Says um, the woman who plays roller derby. Oh, I remember what it was now. It was, uh, nobody has done that jump as well as, was it an on the town? On the town, Gene Kelly, but there, he, he kind of... Where he, like, glides up? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's like a side hop glide. I don't know what it was. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, like, that's the only thing I can think of when it's I watch... Really everybody else looks Yeah. Everybody else looks clumsy when magic. they jump on anything compared to that. <laughs> if you're not Gene Kelly, just take the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was Rent. Um, let's you can find it. You can find this version on Netflix. On Netflix. It's you can true. find the... The stage version, the 2008 stage recording. Um, on YouTube. On YouTube, said. yep. And Maybe watch that one. Which doesn't week. have any of this cast except Tracy Toms. I think she's the only one that's in that's from this so. cast. Huh. And then uh, I mentioned it, I think, already that Renee Lee Goldsberry plays mm-hmm. Mimi. I hope that next week we watch a musical we all enjoy. That's what I hope. (laughs) So, uh, as we come to the end, let's do a little housekeeping. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, review, review, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, like, find us on Facebook and our website and Twitter. And Twitter. If you do that sort of thing. Part of me wants to start like an Instagram account and just like post random. Pictures of Gene Gene Kelly's butt. Yes. I mean, I'm down with that. Or maybe we make a Tumblr. (laughs) Maybe we just make a Tumblr. Here's Gene Kelly. It's just the same picture of the same butt over and over. And people would still fucking just be like, I'm on board. I'll be there every day. Because it's Gene Kelly's butt. Uh, (laughs) But to get back to the point, uh, if you you like, please uh, tell people. Definitely rate. Definitely subscribe. But also feel free to comment and let us know if you've got a musical suggestion. All right, this has been uh, Real Education the Musical. <laughs> I have been Wendy. And I'm Vinny. And Mike. And we will talk to you next time. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a Real Education.